Hello there, C-Note here, and welcome back to Dopamine. I am your host, Christian Rivera, and I just got done reading a, what would I call a paper? I get yeah, it was a paper. It was a paper that was written in the 90s around time scarcity. Time scarcity is something I've been personally uh, trying to discover some personal relationships around. Uh, scarcity in general, scarcity with time, money, energy, all these things. But specifically, I was looking into time scarcity today, and um, this paper has really shown how, um, especially contrasted with the past, has really shown how we have gone in a just further, faster direction when it comes to uh, the opportunities for time scarcity, particularly here in America with how fast everything moves, how everything is centered around work and productivity and achievement. Everything has been faster, faster, faster. And even in myself, I realized how much I've wanted even this podcast to be more efficient, to be faster, to be, you know, that's a lot of comments I get too on podcasts or YouTube videos. Like it's not fast enough. I don't have time for this. (laughs) Like I don't want to spend my leisure time we ramble for 30 minutes, uh, which I understand and I totally get. But at the same time, like we're causing so much stress for ourselves by trying to create efficiency out of leisure, which is really interesting. Uh, so to segue into what is usually my Audible thing, right? Like audibletrial.com slash dopamine. Uh, what I appreciate about books and audiobooks, I was listening, I was thinking about it this morning too, is that like, Books are still a very precious medium, even in an audio form. Like in audio form, you can be a little bit more efficient about it, quote unquote, and listen to things at a faster speed or eliminate. Um, uh, I know some apps you can eliminate uh, spaces and things like that. And I used to do that with podcasting apps, but I don't do that so much anymore. And I really do listen to audiobooks at like a natural speed, natural cadence. Especially since you can hear the, when it's the author, it's really nice to hear the way that they speak about their topic, or when it's uh, someone who is doing like the voices of characters, you can really hear the tonality and the emotional intention of the characters and the interpretation by the reader. So I, I don't know, all of that stuff's really interesting. I really love like Netflix limited series for the same reason. It's like more immersive. And I think we struggle generally with more immersive experiences and allowing ourselves to be immersed fully in experiences because we're trying to be so efficient with our time. But if you're wanting to, I I would suggest that as a result of listening to this podcast, once I get through all of this and talk about it a little bit more, because I literally just read the article and I'm just needing somewhere to put all of this. Uh, go to audibletrial.com slash dopamine, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E. Sign up for Audible and you'll get credits for for signing up. Credits meaning that you can put credits towards books. And every month you get another credit to put towards a book. And so while the monthly fee is about $15, I believe, uh, you can still get many books that are more expensive than that using the singular credit. Right, So if you're just like casually listening to books and you listen to one a month, uh, then you're able to apply a credit a month to those books. And I think it's a great way to keep reading and do it at your own leisure 
and uh, we're going to talk more about leisure and such uh, on the rest of this podcast. So I'm going to hit the button and let's get started. Do you want to stay up to date with the messiest drama on the internet? Or what about those crazy viral challenges? Then be sure to tune in to TMZ Verified, the podcast. I'm Wild. I'm Steph. And each week we're either breaking down the spicy viral stories or we're hanging out with the most popular influencers around. Tana Mojo is in the building. I don't even know if they're hating. They're probably just telling the truth, but we love the haters too. Sophia Franklin. Yeah, I mean, we can talk, but like, let's be real with each other, you know? Bryce Hall is here, y'all. Make some noise, people. I'm, I'm single, by the way. Right. So if you like viral drama, influencer culture, and just overall hot messness, check out new episodes of TMZ Verified every Thursday right here on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. All right, so that was not not a very efficient intro, but I'm not I'm not really wanting to be efficient with this episode. I'm thinking about my own time relationship to time scarcity now that I've read this article, and um, I let me see if I can pull it up while I'm uh, talking here, because, so I can give you a reference point for that. I'm I'm telling you it's an article, but I'm not saying what the article is. So let me pull that up, and then I can do this. Hopefully it won't just start reading. Uh, okay, great. I'm going to go to the top here, and I will read the title. Time Scarcity and Its Implication for Leisure Behavior and Leisure Delivery. This was written in, it looks like February of 1993, if I'm seeing it correctly. Uh, I don't have my glasses on. It's written by David Scott. I think if you just Google it, it's something you can look up. It's uh, about 10 pages. Uh, it's really interesting because if you think about whether or not you were born in 1993, um, uh, 1993 was a time where there was all sorts of emerging technologies, uh, you know, VCRs, CD players, um, uh, uh, like leisure was increasing in terms of like the internet was starting to slowly creep into the public consciousness. Um, there were increasing opportunities for greater control over your leisure. And so while, I think it was baby boomers were kind of in their middle age and were raising young millennials and raising teenage Gen Xers um, and Gen Xers in their maybe 20s at this point. Um, there is this increasing hustle. There was this increasing uh, need for productivity. Everything's going faster and faster and faster. And as technology improved, the ability to communicate, the ability to um, 
schedule things. Even like ATM machines were um, ATM machines. That's me. I used to call it a Mac machine because that's I grew up in Philly and they called Mac machines. But um, automatic teller machines, right? ATM machines is a, a repetitive term. <laughs> is redundant. Uh, automatic teller machines were starting to creep in where you can get your money instantly. Right. And that was before you have to go, you have to go to the bank and you have to get uh, your money from the teller. You have to cash a check and do that whole process. But you can, at the time as ATMs were starting to appear, you could just put your card in and cash out your money or your, your job can directly deposit your money into your bank and then you can get the money out and that sort of thing. Like those increasing efficiencies were starting to happen and, you know, compound that with today where you've got the equivalent of VCRs being like our phones, access to YouTube, access to TikTok, access to Netflix, access to all sorts of entertainment at any given time we can now start to maximize the efficiency of our leisure, which doesn't quite make it leisurely. Like, leisure used to mean just almost surrendering yourself to a guide or having a day trip to the zoo or going to the park and not worrying about what time it was. Like, you just go on a Saturday and you just stay there all day. And you're not thinking about a schedule of events. You're not operating based on clock time. And so clock time is the, basically the human definition of time. You know, it's the human definition of time is based on the cycles of the universe and, and our perception of it. Um, the way that the, the earth spins and the sun moves and all of that stuff. Um, and the moon movements and, and whatnot. But um, we have defined that as humans as a measurement tool for us to be able to calibrate our lives to those measurements, right? And so being able to be increasingly efficient, efficient with our usage of, of, of work means that there's a byproduct of having a set amount of time for leisure, which, you know, becomes, thank God it's Friday, like the weekend, right? Working for the weekend. Because even when you're working during the week, it doesn't necessarily feel like leisure is fully leisure. You're preparing to work again. And uh, I have very much have, you know, been in that grind. I'm sure you've been in that grind and you understand. And the reason I'm thinking about this too is that this is something that pervades. This is not just me. I'm I'm exploring my relationship to time scarcity because I definitely feel a panic around it. Even though I'm someone that works for myself, even though I'm someone that works at home, I'm someone that um, feels like I can operate however I need to operate most of the time. I still find myself trying to be more efficient with my time much of the time. So in a, in like a minor example of being efficient with your time is going for a jog and listening to music or going for a jog and listening to a podcast or doing dishes and listening to a podcast. You're trying to be efficient with your leisure. Like you're working, you're cleaning, you're having to manage your life. Like, cause that's part of leisure is just kind of life management as well. Um, or like laying down with the TV on 
or even if there's something passive in the background, there's always some sort of mental activity or stimulation, right? And um, I think that, and based on the article, I, the paper I read, that's pervading this anxiety. And I, I don't think that's any surprise necessarily, but I think the details might be surprising. The details of, of with me in particular, I, you know, I'm, I'm filling a lot of my leisure time. And I think that's what I'm, that's what is exacerbating my sense of scarcity of time is that I'm filling my leisure. I'm not actually enjoying myself. I'm not actually being leisurely. I'm filling it with stuff, right? I'm filling my mental space with things. I'm listening to an, a, a 10 page paper and then now I'm podcasting about it <laughs> you know I but I'm laying down but I'm not fully being leisurely I'm laying down and I'm working right and but the the challenge though too is that I think the more efficiently and more effectively being able to find this balance and interweaving this work-life balance idea is is that it's more about integration right less than it is about efficient like efficiently efficiently managing the separation of the two right so when you hear work-life balance that's usually what i hear people saying is efficiency efficiently balancing work and life you know this amount of time for this amount of things this amount of time for these amount of things and kind of living in these two separate worlds and what was interesting that the article pointed out even in 1993 that Work typically involved a certain place with a certain set of rules or a certain set of people, and then leisure was a certain set of people in a certain location, and it was very distinctly different. And uh, that's a challenge on a societal scale, and a challenge in, in kind of like an organic movement through our cities, through our experiences, in that... You know, I, I think you're seeing some progress in that, like office parks are feeling there are more office spaces that are feeling a little bit more lush and places that you can walk through. I used to work at American Specialty Health in San Diego, and they had this really lovely courtyard that I would basically like lay down there during uh, in the middle of the day <clears throat> and take rests and take breaks and feel a little bit more. Um, that felt a little more integrated and they had a gym downstairs and all of this stuff. And I felt like I was able to kind of weave a little bit, but it was still kind of not really feeling integrated. And right. So the idea of integration versus efficiency is like working while listening to music is trying to get an integration of the two in a way. Um, but you're still doing separate things in separate spaces. Like your home life is different from your work life. And it's not about bringing your work home either or bringing your home to work. Uh, it's eventually getting to a place that if you're starting to work for yourself to not necessarily worry so much about being so efficient about your work. I'm kind of losing it a little bit. But um, so an, an example is that I'm constantly thinking about how I can be more efficient about both work and leisure. Um, and there is this increasing demand for 
better things, right? Even if we're satisfied with our life, there's always like an upgrade of a thing, an upgrade of a TV or getting a laptop. Like I've been recently thinking about getting a laptop because then I could be more mobile with my work. I have a desktop right now um, for my video editing work and I primarily work there. I have a MacBook from 2012 that I can do some things on, but I can't really video edit on there. And so I've been wanting to get a video editing capable laptop, which now exists with like the M1X MacBooks. And, um, you know, so like my mind is very much focused on trying to make that happen. And I'm very much feeling this pressure of like, okay, well, if I, once I get that, then I'll be able to relax, right? Like once I get that, I can be more efficient or more integrated. And it's this constant striving. Like it's another example of striving. It's like we're turning leisure into another point of striving, if that makes sense. And so um, I say we, but I'm really talking about me, but it may involve you as well. And I'm saying we because I have heard so many stories about um, this, this, struggle to either create separation or create integration, right? So that we may not even realize, that's kind of why I'm talking about this. We, we, we may not realize how much we are taking work sensibilities into leisure as a byproduct of being hyper-scheduled and hyper-regimented. And that's really hard. Like I'm, I'm not necessarily able to prescribe a solution here in that I'm just now thinking about all of this in this specific kind of way. And so with the scarcity comes the other side, which is abundance, right? And abundance of time and abundance of energy or food. Like those are things that I've been thinking about is food and energy and time. And so there's something I've been self-soothing with myself around when it comes to food, like going grocery shopping, is that I have a budget that I need to stick it, stick within. That's just that's just what I have, and that's what I got to work with. And I get stressed out because there are things that I want, right? Like I want a certain kind of cheese or something, right? And I get stressed out because I can't. I can't buy that cheese right now. <laughs> so if I can't buy that cheese right now then it doesn't feel very good in that moment. Or I just end up splurging and then I mess up my budget and create more stress for myself. And then I'm not really even enjoying the cheese because I'm feeling guilty about eating the cheese that I didn't have the money for in the first place or that I that I broke my budget for in the first place, right? And because I did that, then I ended up sacrificing something else and that becomes a whole thing. But instead in those moments at the grocery store, I can say like, you know what? I'm going to get this cheese when I get more money. Not if, when. Um, It's a matter of, you know, the appropriate timing or whatever. But that cheese is not going to disappear. And even if it does, let's say, like, the supply chain stuff gets worse and that cheese is not available anymore. I can find another cheese or I can find another piece of pleasure. There's something else. There's always something else, right? And so I'm limiting myself and reacting and freaking out to that limit. And so I, I think the same thing is happening with leisure time. Like I'm, I have time that I can just like sit and be and enjoy. And 
there is a satisfaction level that you do reach when you are able to properly rest. And if you're able to take a nap or rest or be in nature or breathe or do yoga or whatever, I wouldn't say do yoga, but like you're exercising, taking care of yourself, um, that you'll kind of get into more of a natural rhythm of being able to, of, of being able to satisfy that leisure desire and then get back into the rhythm of doing stuff. It's like interweaving as opposed to creating these time-based separations. And now I know that's not a, that's not a privilege everyone has. Um, and I'm mostly talking about my experience as a person who's a freelancer. I work at home and it's just strange how leisure can feel stressful. And so that's really what I'm addressing is like, I'm not really leisurely living. I'm bringing work stress into my leisure. And so in that way, there needs to be that kind of separation or interweaving where it's like, you know, there's, I I was watching, uh, sort of a mini YouTube vlog documentary thing last night about 311. 311 is one of my favorite bands. They were my original philosophers. I learned so much by listening to their lyrics growing up. And I was watching a thing by them in their recent tour last summer, I think. And it's interesting to watch them and their musicians they have like their schedule worked out. They have a manager, they have someone kind of guiding them. And in this sense, based on like the, based on the paper that I read that part of what's the shift that's, that's been making that we've been making in the last 30 years or so is having more control over our leisure that uh, there were some examples about people who were going on trails and saying that they no longer wanted to have rangers guide the trail, but they wanted to do a self-guided trail. And that there is a relationship to not wanting someone else to have a um, a, a guidance over their time. And in this documentary or this little series that I watched last night, they seemed so much more relaxed and in flow and able to play the show and able to live and work in a much more seamless and natural way because they had rested into the idea that the manager is going to tell them when they're going to go on stage. They've got the people who are doing the work to like putting up, setting up their stuff, setting up their instruments and the lighting and equipment and stuff like that. Like they're not having to worry about any of that stuff. Maybe they were part of the pre-planning and whatever, but they mostly focus on the set list and then they show up and they play. And I think that is, to me, a really good example, even though you're not a famous band and you don't have people doing things for you, there are there's an element of leisure that is about letting go of control. And when you're working, you're taking control. When they go on stage, they're taking control of the energy of the room, of the instruments. They're making the music, making it happen. All other times when they put the instruments down, they're letting go of control. They are being guided back to the bus and they're kind of being leisurely and letting go and just being in this con- 
you know, contained spaces. And there's something to be said about having this control all the time, that if you go on a trail hike and you're having to make decisions all the time, then where's the leisure in that? Like, I I can see decision-making being fun when you're, like, working on a puzzle or you're playing and you're doing something where you're making those choices. But if you're having to construct your own leisure experience, where's the joy in that? You know, there's something about being led. There's something about being guided. There's something about being um, carried through a situation that is truly leisurely and, frankly, luxurious in a way, right? And I'm not talking about privilege. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about whatever. Like, there are all sorts of opportunities for you to submit yourself to an experience. Um, And so I'm kind of constructing this sort of... um, solution as I'm talking. I'm not a hundred percent sure of little examples and little details in which we could submit ourselves a little bit more, but I think it lies somewhere in there that there's a lot of decisions being made. Even when I'm like playing video games, a lot of the times I'm making a ton of decisions. Um, I can't remember the last time I've gone on like a guided tour or something. Like I really love that sort of stuff. When I go to a new city I really love going on like the red double-decker buses that many cities have that just like go, it's like the Star Tours kind of thing, or I think that's LA specifically, but I know there's there's other places that have little um, tour buses, and you get on that and you just let them take you and guide you, right? And I love that. I love that so much. That to me feels leisurely. That to me feels like I'm not working, you know, or, and, and so that to me feels a little bit more integrated. This ability to understand when, like the 311 thing is like when I need to grab the instrument and take control and play and when I need to just wait or experience or stretch or be or whatever, right? Um, that, yeah, there are things you got to do. There's clock time, people time that we've got to honor. But then there's also our time, which isn't people time. And I think it's okay that if we let someone else... Like, there are ways, there are technologies that allow for reminders, right? Like, you can set an alarm and not have to think about the time. Right there, I've heard so many stories of people. We set an alarm at six a.m., and it's like we don't trust the alarm, and we get anxiety. And we wake up like an hour before the alarm goes off, because you know our bodies are smart and we can tell it. Uh, we we can if you have enough trust in your body, you can say, "I need to wake up at six a.m." and your body will probably do it if you've got, you know, you're in a good circadian rhythm. But there's not enough not a lot of trust in other. And if you're putting trust in your alarm to wake you up, then you can relax. But if you're not putting trust in your alarm, then you're not going to relax. You're going to wake up anxious an hour before your alarm goes off, which is why you see people setting up their alarm for like six, six fifteen, six thirty. Like that's crazy to me. I don't do that. Um, (laughs) uh, I don't typically wake up to an alarm. I don't have a set schedule. 
um, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but I know that if you've got things you need to do, I, I so what I'm applying to me in this is that there are things I need to think about in terms of picking up picking up the kids from school or going to a um, we we're going to pick up the kids tomorrow for the weekend, for example. And if I'm trying to rely on myself to have control over that, I can't relax because I'm trying to keep my mind on it and I'm checking the time all the time. And I'm like, am I getting enough leisure out of this? And even just asking myself that question is not a relaxed question. But if I set an alarm and I say that we have to leave on Friday by 2.30 to go get the kids then I'll set an alarm by two and then I can get into that framework at two o'clock on Friday. But it, I don't need to think about it any time before then at all. And I'm not letting myself do that. And so I'm realizing that just now as I'm talking and anytime I have like an appointment, you know, and, and really it's just, it's not about setting the time for when the appointment is, but just setting the time for when I need to get ready to leave, you know, the buffer time that setting a time for when I need to start thinking about it and not setting a deadline as to like when I need to do it. Does that make sense? So I'm, I'm going to try that for myself. Maybe you could try that for yourself. And so for an example, with tomorrow with the kids, I'm going to set my alarm for 2 o'clock, set the reminder for 2 o'clock that we're going to go get the kids, and that's going to be the thing. And between now and then, I don't have to think about it. And I'm going to see how I feel and see if that's something that's going to be beneficial. Because then... If the clock time's handled and I can trust the technology to do what the technology needs to do to be my manager effectively, then I can show up and perform when I need to show up and perform. Otherwise, I can be juggling oranges on the bus, <laughs> uh, doing the equivalent of just like laying around or playing video games or doing whatever I need to do or doing the work I need to do and then, or want to do. And then when it's time to show up, I show up. So I'm going to try that. I beg you to try that. I would love to know if you get an opportunity to try that out, how that feels for you. And um, maybe I can start to create some more integration. I would love to also personally figure out more experiences for this year where, you know, I go to a situation where I'm not having to be in control, um, a guided tour of some kind. I think that would be really fun. And, um, and, and seeing how that goes, how that feels in terms of relaxation. Uh, yeah. All right. So I think I effectively talked through that. I would beg you to go check out that article. Um, I've, I've already forgot the name of it. <laughs> I had it pulled up, but if you go back to the beginning of the podcast, um, you know, the, the name is there and you can Google it. Um, so as usual, you can leave a voice message here on anchor. If you would like anchor.fm slash dopamine in the description for this podcast, there is a link. You can leave a voice message and in that voice, like you don't have to sign up for anchor or anything. You can leave a voice message anonymously, um, through that link and I will get it and I can answer your question 
live on the podcast, that would be really cool. I would love that. Uh, if you are an INTP in the Myers-Briggs system and you are wanting to take some personal development courses, I have those available at dopamine.teachable.com. And I'm actually updating my own personal website right now called cnote.studio. That's where I've got all of my work around live events, around my um, video editing and audio production and all that stuff. And you can go check that out. And I have other links to other courses I've created around media and stuff there as well, if you'd like to check that out. Um, otherwise, as I said before, audibletrial.com slash dopamine. If you'd like to sign up and start to get ebooks, that would support the channel as well. And we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash dopamine. If you simply want to leave some financial love, that would be really uh, great as well. Uh, that's it. I've been C-Note. I hope you can get some time to relax. Truly relax. Not efficiently relax. <laughs> but surrender control. Not make decisions. Even if that includes, like, choosing what to watch on Netflix. Um, you know, give your decision-making brain a rest. Decision, decision fatigue is a real, real thing. And uh, it's important to spend some time with your own mind. If you can trust yourself, you can trust others or trust, trust technology and um, get into a better flow and rhythm that way. So take care of yourself, and uh, I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya. This has been a C-Note Media Production.